Hi, friends and awesome moms. What you're about to hear is a conversation I had with my mother, which reflects our last class. I brought up some of the questions that came up in our awesome mom session in order to further our understanding, gain more clarity, and perhaps fill in some gaps. My mother, Mrs. Horowitz, is a parenting expert. She's taught hundreds of mothers in Baltimore and has done a pretty good job herself. She's also graciously shared her curriculum with us. I hope that our little rehash will help us continue in our pursuit of awesome momness. And with that, Ima. As a, as a postpartum conversation, it's on my mind and I think it's on everyone's mind. We have tons of junk food around. We're navigating how to use it properly. Um, it doesn't just come up now, you know, it comes up all the time. But I'm, I'm just thinking we should have a conversation about it. It's like there's different aspects. So... I guess to start off, my first question would be, we want to create healthy habits with the kids, and we want to help the kids to create healthy habits. Sugary, just empty calories is not the best way to Can I stop you for a minute? Go for it. I think you need a definition before we continue. What are you defining as junk food? I mean, there's a whole spectrum of junk food. You go all the way from gushers on one end of the spectrum to cakes and cookies, mm-hmm. I would say is on the other end. Okay. And there's a whole spectrum in between. Right. Now, some people, and you're saying everyone has perhaps has a different idea of what they want to consider junk food, but there's a very, very, very big difference between cakes like, and cookies and gushers. Okay. Totally. Um, there's, there is a certain amount of nutritional value in a cookie. Now it depends what's in the cookie. You know, you can have a muffin and you can have a muffin. You can have a muffin that's made with um, margarine and lots of sugar and white flour. And then you can have a muffin that's made with flax and chia and whole wheat flour, if any flour, maybe spelt, maybe oats, um, and some sort of sweetener, not necessarily sugar, maybe um, maple syrup or, um, you know, something that's that's more um, natural and wholesome. So is that junk? It's sweet. It's yummy. You know, there's a whole spectrum of junk. So I I think we have to first and foremost um, define what we're referring to as junk. Totally. I hear that. Um, well, in in some of the questions that I have, um, I would be referring to any dessert item and not necessarily about um, what's in it, but just the concepts more. Um, but I guess to start off, it would be more it would be more in the in in the gushers category. Empty, you know, just sh- straight up sugar. You know, here it's gummy. Straight up sugar, but gushers also has um, red 40. Um, which, uh, which to me is, um, a, a whole, a whole additional level of, what is that? Of poison. It's food coloring. Oh, uh, like it's a the food dyes. coloring that has been linked to dyes, that has been linked to ADD, that has been linked to out of control behavior. Um, there are kids that have been put on diets without that at all who have become different children. So there definitely is scientific data and research that goes along with 
not wanting your, to give your so kids the good news is my kids don't red know, dye. They don't know what gushers are, so I guess we'll keep it like that for as long as possible. Okay. But uh, let's say here, are that would be like gummies, but I'm sure it has the same stuff. It looks the same, right. tastes the same. Um, the gummies, the, the gummies, sour belts. red petzel. Yeah. That kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, like the very, you know, the, 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 that, that end of the spectrum, not even like towards the middle. Like Inexpensive that yeah. chemicals exactly. that are edible. That are edible and kids would love to devour. Crave them. Crave them. Exactly. Um, so, so I just, I like, I'm looking at the topic. I would say like my initial thought is that, um, the best way to like any behavior, the best way to teach a, a positive behavior is by modeling it. So, you know, this came to us when our, when our oldest was two years old and started eating at the table. That was the last time we ever bought Coke. You know, like we never bought Coke since she was two because you can't like drink it and then say, I can have it, but you can't have it. So we, we kind of, we kind of realized that in the beginning we like, you know, um, that you have to model, you know, you can't like have the chocolate for myself and not for you. Um, well, chocolate's not counted because it's not all the way on. Chocolate's not unhealthy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so, but uh, let's say assuming jelly beans or whatever, whatever we're talking about. Um, so that would be like my first thought. But what what happens, uh, even even with modeling, it's just, you know, parents can have that a healthy, make healthy choices and the kids get it from, from you know, all different places. You're not their only model. Exactly. And, and it's there and it's yummy for them. And, um, what I'm finding is from observing the way different parents handle junk food. And this time we have our definition, it's, you know, it's the most junk food, um, is that some people have it like a, like a zero tolerance, like no, never, this is not what we eat. This is terrible, you know? Um, and some, it's totally unlimited. And obviously those are two ends of another spectrum. And, and then there's people who fall in the middle. But I notice often from the parents who have like, no, no, never is their kids are looking for it everywhere all the time without stopping. So that just tells me that when something's never allowed, it's just, it's just the kids want it even more so. Um, so I guess my question, my first question is, how, how to, how to help kids to understand that, you know, a very small amount of something bad is not necessarily as harmful. Like what, what would you suggest? Like, where should we fall? So first of all, I I would, I would hesitate to call it bad because you want to tell your kids it's bad for you, but I'll give you a little bit. Why am I giving you a little bit if it's bad for you? Okay. So I, I think it's important to know that the kids to know that Things, you know, that are not so super healthy in moderation are okay. We eat healthy food. Hashem gave us delicious, healthy food. And it's important to, you know, go heavy on introducing them to healthy foods. To have a table that is a chronocopia, is that the word? A chronocopia of different types of foods. So you're constantly, constantly um, introducing them to different foods that they constantly, their taste buds are constantly um, awakened to different types of things and they're getting used to different types of things. Okay. Um, consistently I meet parents that say my kid doesn't like this and my kid doesn't like that. And when I say, well, why don't you introduce them to them? Like, Ooh, that's horrible. I said, well, <laughs> where do you think your kids are getting that idea from about this not being good and that not being good? They're like, you're saying the parents themselves are modeling it. 
There are some men that will only eat meat and potatoes and they wonder why the kids won't touch a piece of lettuce. Right. You know, so it's, it's very much being modeled. So it's very, very, very important for you to offer your children and that there should be lots of different types of yummy things in the house besides gummy bears, the sweet, the sweet things, children, um, don't have to develop a, a, um, a desire for sweet things. It's, it's natural. Other things are need to be desi- need to be, um, developed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Taste for broccoli. Most kids don't have a taste for broccoli and avocado and parsnips. It needs to be developed. So you need to develop it. You need to help them develop it. By the way, a, a, ta- a development of taste takes approximately 40 tastes. So to say I tasted it twice, I don't like it. Really? It's not going to work. They need to take 40 tastes. Okay. Until they develop a taste for it. Um, now there's certain things that you say you have to develop a taste for. And like Bobby always says, why do I have to develop a taste for dry wine? I'm not interested in dry wine. I don't want dry wine and I'm not developing a taste for it. I was just going to okay. say, I'm just going to have um, 40 olives lined up. <laughs> it's about the only thing I can eat. That's right. But it can't be every day. It has to be every day. Take another olive and another olive. You can develop a taste for it. Really? By the way, I did develop a taste for olives, which I couldn't even take it in my mouth when I was a child. It was never offered to me. So that's probably part of the problem. Interesting. But, um, okay. So, um, you have to, you have to offer, you have to have it there accessible and have to offer it to them and be a home where different tastes are, where they, you, 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 you are open to new tastes and, and you're excited to try new things and where, um, health is spoken about. It's not about weight and it's not about, um, it's not about, um, you know, that, that it can only be certain types of foods. It's about health, a healthy balance and a balanced diet is extremely important. Um, and when children see that in parents and they, they're interested in it as well. Um, there's some women that eat very, very, very little at meals. They save all their calories for their dessert. That Mm -hmm. also sends a very unhealthy message to a child. Even if the dessert is not necessarily unhealthy, it's, um, it's the message is that, you know, what you want to eat is the, The is the, is the sweet at the end. So, you know, it has a lot to do with modeling, has a lot to do with offering them, has a lot to do with your willingness to be open to things. Um, But I also think, as you said before, it's a very, very big mistake that parents make to say in our house, we don't eat any X. We don't eat any Bisley. We don't eat any sugar. We don't eat any, you know, um, junk like gummy bears or things like that. Your child will find it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I can tell you as an administrator and in a school, the kids that mother, whose mother, oh, we gave them carrot sticks and celery sticks. And that's all they gave them always, or apples always traded their, their healthy snacks for Bisley and potato chips mm-hmm. and uh, gushers. Right. So, um, they're going to find it somewhere else. And it's, it's a very short time before they're able to go to the store and buy it themselves. So it's, it doesn't, you haven't trained them in any way and you haven't, um, habituated them to, to eat properly. Right. Right. Um, you know, I had an experience a bunch of years back, um, when I, I didn't, I didn't say no, never, but you know, it wasn't something like I, I did say no to it often. And one of our kids was <laughs> under her, under her pillow was like, um, um, about 20, um, to- toffee wrappers, you know, taffy wrappers. 
Um, so that at that point I realized that if she's taking it without asking, then, you know, she doesn't feel like this is something that, that I'm going to ever say. So, so when I asked her, she said, I said, you can ask, but she said, then you'll say no. So, you know, I guess, you know, I, what I think is moderation, the kids don't perceive as moderation. They perceive as, you know, unless it's always yes, then it's always no, you know? Right. But they're kids and they, they, you know, their perception is a child's perception. Um, but you do have to be honest with yourself about it. You know, once a week is not really moderation for a child. Once a day might be moderation. Right. You no, know, I, I, I give credit to the schools that allow, um, you know, two different types of snack. Um, I don't think it should be called an unhealthy snack. I think right. one should be called, you know, a healthy snack and another snack. Um, once you call it unhealthy, you're sending the message that I, hello, are you still there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My phone's about to die. I have to go plug in. Um, that you're, you're giving your child something that is unhealthy. Right. When there's, when you do things in a balanced way, I don't, I don't believe it's unhealthy. I think it's healthy. I think it's right. psychologically healthy, emotionally healthy, and physically healthy. Um, and that, of course, I, and we didn't bring this up yet, but that has to go together with um, a healthy um, uh, mo- movement um, that children have to move around and they have to be active. And there has to be exercise as part of their routine. And exercise doesn't mean I have to have an exercise program where I go to a special class. It means I got to move. Right. And kids nowadays are extremely sedentary. And their, their intake of sugars and um, simple starches is very, very high. And their movement is very, very low. So that is a recipe for um, ensuring that a child gets diabetes by the time they're 15. Oh, my goodness. So that's something to, to, to keep in mind as well. I don't think you have this that, as much in Israel. I think kids are much more active there. Right. I think just the fact that they often walk to school and don't have the same, you know, transportation that we do here. And, um, you know, I think kids are much more active there. They go outside because the apartments are smaller. I think that that is a very positive thing. We have to make sure as kids get older that they're not sitting in front of the computer constantly or on their phones or whatever it is. Very, very important to move. Right. Um, At least as important as the diet. So we're saying, so the first thing we're saying is, um, we're saying modeling healthy choices. We're saying um, modeling healthy choices, allowing things in moderation. Moderation. Um, so we're not, saying not not allowing. We're saying modeling anything. healthy choices, get allowing things in moderation, and um, looking out for the general health. You know, also movement. including exercise. Um, right. So so we said moderation is like you know once a day or like something like that. Um, something that I've learned over time was that I was using, you know, I would, I would, I taught the kids about different parts of the meal. So I said, you know, every meal has a vegetable, a protein, a starch. And we made this, we colored these pictures of each food category. And we hung up this big, beautiful banner in the kitchen, which like shows different options in each category. And for a little while Mm -hmm. they were choosing they were like, you know, kind of making their meals. This is when we had Sagar and we had tons of time and, <laughs> and, um, um, and we were, we, and we were eating all the meals together. So they were like making their meals, you know, I want to have 
oatmeal, apples, and yogurt for breakfast. I want to have carrots, um, tuna, whatever. They, they were choosing from each category and it worked out really well. And, and then I said, when you have a whole, when, you know, when you have a whole meal, then at the end of the meal, we have a little dessert. It's like a, a you're, it's like yummy to have something sweet at the end. Um, so it was great for them to learn now. Now they know really well, like they know the categories they know, they ask it, you know, is this a protein and they'll ask and, and they'll have the parts, they'll have all the parts. But what happened, what happens is over time is that they, it, it becomes like I eat to get dessert and it's a little bit of like, it's, it's a mood of like, you know, did I eat enough to get dessert? And it becomes this like, you know, like the, a little bit of like a negotiation. Like, you know, I had three bites. Is that enough to get dessert? All right. This is that enough. And, and it just doesn't give me a good feeling about it. It, it come it becomes, it, it looks to me like the, like, there's a, like, I'm like training, you know, you know, like throw the fish into the dolphin or whatever. Like it becomes like, I'm like holding the dessert and swinging it in front of them like bait. And then they're doing what they're supposed to. And then they're getting the dessert. And I, I just don't, I don't see how to do it otherwise, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. A few things to that. First of all, there doesn't always have to be dessert. I think it is a mistake to have dessert at every meal. Okay. It doesn't have to be dessert all the time. Today we're not having dessert. Well, you know, um, we can have a, have a, a raffle and we pick out three days a week, three days a week this week, we're having dessert. The rest of the days, there's no dessert. Right. So we never know, you know, maybe you have raffle, you have dessert on, you have seven, seven raffles and every day picks up. Do we have dessert? Do we not have dessert today? It's, you know, it's a, tri- it's a, um, it's the, the luck, luck of the, the draw. draw. Either we do or we don't. <laughs> what? Is that it? The luck of the draw. Yeah. That's right. Luck of the draw. Sometimes we have dessert. Sometimes we don't. So that's one thing. It doesn't always have to be dessert. Number two is another understanding as they get older is to understand that, um, complex carbs and um, proteins fill you up. Mm-hmm. Sugars, simple sugars and simple carbohydrates don't fill you up. So if you eat supper at five o'clock and it's all sugar and macaroni, mm-hmm. so in an hour you're going to be hungry again. Right. So the goal is to eat so that we're full and, and we don't need to eat again very soon because the, the, the food has, is not filling. So yeah, three bites is enough to get dessert. As long as you taste everything on your plate, you can get dessert. But remember that once we finish supper, there's no more food. So if you don't eat now and you're hungry in an hour or an hour and a half when you're ready to go to bed, I'm so sorry, but supper was an hour and a half ago. And it's very, very, very important that you keep to that. We're very nervous about being, you know, sent to the authorities that our kids are going to pick up the phone and call the authorities for child abuse because we're not feeding them. The reality is, is that that's a very important lesson for them to learn that supper is the time. There's a time to eat. We don't go through life grazing at every, you know, turn, go to the refrigerator when I'm hungry. I didn't eat at supper. So I'll eat now. And if I didn't now later, um, it's important to know that that mealtime is mealtime. And that's the time to get the majority of your, sustenance and the rest of the time it's not i mean i'm sure you remember that our rule was once supper was over you could have a fruit or a vegetable and that was it right 
no matter what you ate at supper time. And I also did not run a restaurant. I, I remember supper. these very clearly and I'm, I'm, car- <laughs> I'm carrying it on. I think it's great. I, I love it. I love it. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's extremely, um, it's extremely detrimental to a child to think that every time they're going to sit down at, at a, at a dinner, they're going to get exact, you know, it's a, it's a restaurant. They get what they order. It's, it's, it's not a good idea. Um, and it also does not encourage them to try new things, to try new things and to, um, widen their repertoire of things that they're willing to eat. So, um, I, I think it's very, very important that, you know, now is supper time. You don't want to eat it. I would never make eating a, an argument. As um, my pediatrician used to say, children do not starve themselves. So, you know, they'll, they they won't eat one night, but they'll eat the next night because they know that you're serious about you don't eat at supper, you don't eat. Right. Yes, you can have an apple later on, but that's it. There's no more protein. There's no more sitting down to the meal. But it's extremely important that you stick to it in a very loving, smiley, caring way. So sorry, Mira. Supper was served at five thirty or six o'clock, and now it's bedtime, or now it's um, almost bedtime. If you'd like, you can have an apple. Right. That's all. That's the reality. Um, I want a bag of chips. No, there's no chips now. Now it's an apple. Right. Um, there's a place for chips and there's a time for chips, but not when I didn't eat food. You need supper. Um, if it's dessert night and you've chosen dessert out of the bag, out of the hat, and there's dessert. So if they've tried everything on their plate, they can have dessert, but that's it. Dessert is um, dessert is whatever it was, whether it's a cookie, a wafer, um, a scoop of ice cream, whatever it was, it was, and right. it's over, and there's no more of that. You don't eat ice cream instead of supper. You don't eat right. 17 wafers because I didn't have supper. Dessert is one wafer. Right. And don't say it's less than what everyone else is getting because you didn't eat. That's also not not right. appropriate. Right. To do it. For, so okay. that's super interesting. So you're saying they should try everything. Every, once everything is tried, whatever is being served, then you can get dessert. Doesn't have to be a certain amount. So it's not like that. That helps me with the dangling the food, you know. So So right. it doesn't have to be a certain amount. It just has to be you tried everything and you're, and you understand that you're full and that's it. And dessert is at random. It's not at every single meal. Mm-hmm. Is your tummy full is a, is a very good, um, now we're going to have dessert now, but is your tummy full? Cause once we clean up, that's the end of supper for tonight. Right. Okay. So that really helps. This really helps. I, I can try that. The random mm-hmm. and the, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. And, and then I guess, one, one more point, which I experienced with one one of my children, and I, I've spoken to other mothers, and some of them have this too. Um, one of my children does not like any fresh fruits or vegetables, um, with very few exceptions. Like, she'll have pomegranate seeds for some reason, and now we just added pomela, which are two mm-hmm. extremely time-consuming fruits to cut up, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, now another friend has this with her, her son too. And, um, um, it happens to be that both of these children also have other sensory related things, you know, they're not good with space necessarily. Um, don't like how very specific things feel on them. Um, so I, uh, so the first thing I'm wondering in, is in my day, we called them Nufunakim. 
Right. And now it's called. We didn't call them sensory. <laughs> exactly. So now they're called sensory. But either way, is there something about that that's like, like what can we understand about these kids to, to be more understanding of them? And also how can we encourage them more? To, I mean, to, to. A funuk is a mafunuk and you have to be understanding of a funuk to a certain degree. You right. don't force them to, um, to wear things like, you know, when they used to have tags inside of shirts. Now most shirts are tagless. Mm-hmm. But if they did, so you wore the undershirt inside out. There's, there's a way of doing it. Right. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what we have. That's, you know, if we have nothing else, we have nothing else. As far as foods are concerned, um, I, I go with the, you just have to taste it. You just have to taste it. You don't have to do more than taste it. You take a bite and that's all. Um, you might learn to like it. You might not. We don't always do what we like to do, but you need to take a bite and you don't, you don't have to eat more than that. So if I make green peas for the first time and you say, I don't like them, that's fine. You don't have to like them. You just have to taste them and you taste it and not like it. And then we move on. No, I make a big deal out of it. If it's a dessert night, if she doesn't taste it, she doesn't get dessert. Mm-hmm. That's all. Uh, it's not dangling. Right. You, you don't have to have dessert. That's fine. That's the rule. The rule is we taste everything and then we get dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, tasting for most kids, most kids are not going to gag on things. They're not going to, you know, <laughs> they're going to be fine. Right. They'll eat it or they won't. And eventually they might actually grow to like it. Right. Um, or they might even like it right away. Sometimes they get an idea in their head. They don't like the way it looks. They don't mm-hmm. like the smell. They, right. someone else in school said it's gross. Right. Right. You never right. know. But once they taste it, they might actually enjoy it. So let's, and, and very unemotional. Don't get emotional about food. Don't get upset. I spent an half an hour cutting up that fruit cup. Okay, so don't. It's not her fault that you spent half an hour cutting up the fruit cup. Right. Don't get emotional about it. Just, you know, um, offer it. Enjoy it yourself. She doesn't like it. She just has to take it. And that's it. Right. Gagging is hard to know if it's drama or if it's real gagging. So, you know, that could get tricky. But e- <laughs> either way, either way, she right. has to try it. If she wants dessert. And, um, that's a very good lesson for her. And if it's not a dessert night, then she lucked out. She lucks out. She <laughs> but she doesn't get anything else. Like, yeah. So I try to, I try to accommodate, I try to accommodate and make blended soups and make, mm-hmm. you know, um, the one cooked vegetable that she'll eat, you know, cooked carrots. I'll try, I'll try to do that as much as possible. When That's I very nice, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do that consistently because then you're not giving her the opportunity to taste other things. Right. It's not so, the end of the world if you make peas one night and she, or parsnip one night, blended parsnip or whatever it is, and she doesn't eat it. Okay, so she doesn't have a vegetable that night. Mm-hmm. At least you offered it to her. She had that opportunity to learn to like it. Okay. I have one, I have one last question. One last question is, um, is there any place to have kids um, to offer them that if they don't like supper, they can take something on their own. Based on our whole conversation, I feel like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, but something in, something tells me that it has, it has to be some kind of option because like, otherwise it, it almost feels like the kids are at our whim, you know, like if there's like something that's really, 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 really disgusting to them. Okay, so I would recommend that you always have something for supper. I mean, 
seems from what you're saying, you follow the way we basically ate and that there is a starch and a protein and a vegetable. So there's three options for supper, really. Right. You can have a lot. And of all those three, you could just have more of one if you really cannot stomach any of the other two. I strongly urge you not to get in the habit of, okay, go take a bagel and cream cheese. There will be kids that will eat bagel and cream cheese until they are 18. Right. And that's all they eat for supper. I think it's a, it's a cop out on the part of most parents. It's a feeling of, you know, inadequacy or a, a, a feeling of a lack of sense of self on the part of a parent that my kid throws a tantrum and, oh my gosh, I'm starving them. I have to give them something, either a bagel or a cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, once a child is old enough to cook for themselves, I'm talking about much older, like higher teens, they really don't like what's for supper. Um, I would, I was going to say this before, I think it's very important to get kids involved in the food preparation. Right. And I spoke with this at some point, I know kitchens are small, but once children get involved in food preparation, they're much more happy to eat what's being served for supper because they feel a more of a connection to what's being served. Mm-hmm. So I would start off with having your kids, like it seems that you did to a certain degree, um, make the menus for the week. And have everybody have some input so that, you know, they like what's on the menu. And then have them get involved in making it, whether it's the peeling or the chopping or the cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, And they get them children's cookbooks and have them choose things from there and have them get involved. Now, of course, time is um, at a a premium and you can't always have them involved, but I think it's a it's a it's a good idea for when you're able to to have them involved because then they're they're part of things and they want to eat what they made or chose. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's very very helpful. Of course, once a child is older, I would say higher high school age or certainly beyond that, they they, they have a right to come into the kitchen and make their own food. Usually, if things have progressed correctly and and health in a health way healthy way in the home. Um, um, by the time they're older, they, they still want to be part of the house and they're not, you know, going to go make their own food. They'll, they'll offer to make something as part of supper so that, you know, they can have something that they particularly like, but everyone else can partake, partake as well. Amazing. Okay. This is super helpful. Super duper helpful. Okay. Um, Good. But actually, as as I'm as I'm thinking about wrapping up, I'm thinking about one last question. One last question. A little bit jumping back to junk food. Mm-hmm. Um, just because now it's right after Purim, and there's lots and lots of candy in the house, and the the kids are helping themselves in the morning before we're up, and my gut is telling me just get rid of everything. Because I don't, I I, I, I don't make a big deal. I wake up and I throw mm-hmm. out the wrappers and I move on. Like I don't make a big deal because. Right. Definitely. You want to get rid of it. The question is, can you turn it into an opportunity? There's so much stuff and everyone enjoys it. Is there something you can do with it? Is there an organization in town that you can make pekalach for? Uh-huh. Um, is there a chesed organization? Is there an orphanage? Is there something that you could get your kids involved? This is too much for us to eat, but you enjoy it so much. There are other kids that enjoy it too. What can we do with it? Um, I would just encourage you to turn it into something positive as opposed to just throwing it out, but definitely get rid of it. Oh, uh, Okay. I was going to get rid of it when when people, when they don't see like just at night, just put it all. You you could do that. You could do that. But I'm saying that, that you could do it in a positive way. We get so much, we have so much here and you enjoy it so much, but it's not really 
such a good thing for us to eat so much. Let's put aside two, three, four things and the rest, let's package it up and let's give it to some organization. Okay. I think you can, you know, it could be a very positive experience. 